0: Hello and welcome to episode 20 say when a geeky podcast today we're going to be having a conversation with a Star Wars newbie Mitchell yeah tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I am a blossoming millennial who just so happened to miss out on the Star Wars growing up. I was right at that age where the prequels were kind of hitting their traction, and I think my dad tried to kind of lure me in there, but I was too distracted by Pokemon at the time. So I think it was just like a lot of competing franchises. And so I'm now that I'm you know in my mid-20s, I'm kind of excited to talk about what I might have missed as a kid as well as kind of compare experiences to folks who had these things not necessarily dropped on them in the eight-week span, because I watched mm. these things in quick succession in eight weeks, and I'm sure that has a different perspective of it than your perspective.
0: Absolutely, and we cannot wait to hear your perspective. I am not usually the one that does the intro, as you all know. Unfortunately, Sally is struggling with a voice problem today, but uh, we'll kind of... Do our normals. I'm Melissa and I'm Sally. <clears throat>
2: and I'm Frankie. How's everybody doing?
0: Doing
3: great. Here. <laughs> Here. I, I feel better than my voice sounds, honestly. But I get I must say that I'm super excited, super excited that Mitchell is with us this evening. Um, he's a colleague of mine and um, I think I might have scared him a little bit when he walked into my office and saw all of my star Wars paraphernalia (laughs) combined with my Harry Potter paraphernalia. He looked a little, a little shell shocked, but, um, yeah. yeah.
1: So, Oh, I was just gonna say that's kind of just you know coming into an academic field I'm wearing my nice business suit this is my first job as like a young professional go to meet my <laughs> office maid, and all of a sudden I see a bunch of pop Funko Pops and I, that was that was kind of shell shock for me I'm in yeah. a blazer got a tie and then there's just Star Wars all around me
3: <laughs> I feel very at home there yeah. um Y'all, it's kind of funny. I had an advisee walk into my office today with his mom, no less, right? And he's transferring to the University of South Carolina, and I'm advising him on those last few classes. And I've got my Funko Pops in my new office, like on a shelf above my desk. And so you have to kind of come around to see it. And and it it took him a few, it's was like, oh my, this is funny. And I was like, yeah, that's my little army. (laughs) Because I think I have 25 of them. Wow. Now they're not all Star Wars, but um, yeah, most of them are. I've seen them. I have no regrets.
0: I've seen them. Your office is really cool.
3: Well, uh, now it's half an office is mine. I, yeah. I don't have my own office anymore. Mitchell took my old
0: office.
1: I did. And, <laughs> and now it is... looks like Chip and Joanna Gaines got a hold of it. And just yeah. rend- nice. Renovated from the inside out. It,
3: it really,
4: kind of got
0: it, that rustic
3: farm look. It bears no, no resemblance to what it was when I was in there. <laughs> but that's okay. It's really fabulous now. Before, it was just kind of geeky. Um, okay, well, news and notables. I just wanted to hit. On uh, Captain Marvel and Run, we've gotten kind of conflicting reports, uh, pop culture reports. I think some of it is, some of it to me feels a little manufactured. I think. Um, are we still going to see it? Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mitchell, yeah. you're you're going to see it. Um yeah. I I don't have like I I don't have a background for it because I didn't really I don't really read the comics, so I'm interested to see kind of how I respond to it. Um, and I know for certain that any changes in Captain Marvel's backstory are not going to bother me in the slightest. Melissa, you've got a different kind of opinion on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I read the comics. It's been a while. So I just recently um, went and picked up the graphic novel and I'm going to kind of just catch up on, you know, things and see if it's everything that I remember and look forward to seeing the movie. Yeah, I, I understand. This is just the way of the times now they change things up there. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be exactly the way you remembered it, but mm. that's okay. I'm all right with that. I think we'll see. Frankie, what are you thinking?
2: Um, I'm going to see it. I think it's, you know, um, I don't know. Sometimes like the internet's a very dark place. Like some people just are angry. Yes. Right? Just angry. And mm-hmm. and I know we can go that same, but like, I mean like rotten tomatoes is, you know, already full of stuff. And you're just like, Gosh. You have
3: Yeah, you haven't seen the movie. Yet. How can you possibly give it a yeah. negative rating? Yeah, just
2: you know, try to give everything a chance, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Rotten Tomatoes apparently changed their yeah. um algorithm or whatever to make sure that you can't review a movie before it's out.
4: Uh-huh. So,
3: that's a good thing. <laughs> um because apparently they've already they had already started flooding episode 9 with negative reviews. Well, yes, that
2: also is um
3: Yeah, they they just wrapped filming like a week and a half ago. So, yeah, you don't know what this movie's about. How can you possibly give it a negative review? Um, So, anyway, well, I think that's really... Does anybody else
0: have anything they wanted to hit for News and Notables? It's a real quick
2: question to Melissa. Melissa, are you going Thursday night?
0: Probably not, unfortunately. I wish that I were, but um, tax season? I've been working 10-plus hour days. Okay. So... I'm not even going to make it on Friday night because I've got
3: family commitments. And then Saturday, I've got a conference I have to go to, like be an adult and go to a conference on the weekend. So Sunday might be the best bet for me.
1: And I don't do opening weekends. I'm easily Mm. intimidated by crowds. I'm the type of person that goes gets dinner at like 4 o'clock p.m. for the convenience. Nice. Me too. I do
3: that. Nice. I like it. So Frankie, are you going to be the only one that sees it opening night?
2: See, that's the thing. You know, you know, you're talking about commitments. My best night to go see it is is to, is to that Thursday night.
3: Wow. Well, then go see it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because like Thursday, because Thursday would be less crowded than Friday. So, yeah, absolutely. I'll um, Thursday night, I was actually looking at my tickets. I was like, all right, I got a choice between do I want that. So, <clears throat> I either go see it in standard or I go see it in IMAX.
3: Mm-hmm. Is it IMAX 3D?
2: Yeah, so that, no, it says IMAX 2D, which is, um, I've never seen, like, you know, I've seen IMAX, so it's IMAX 2D or just regular standard. Um,
3: See, I like IMAX 2D or RPX. I'm not a huge fan of 3D.
2: My, uh, my theater doesn't have the RPX. I either
3: have gotcha.
2: IMAX or standard.
3: Given again, given the choice, I would probably go with the IMAX 2D. But that's so with me. The
2: I, with the IMAX, I get to choose my seats.
3: Right. I would choo- I would do that.
2: Versus the Personally. standard, I just so yeah. The standard. So that's why I typically do it. So I will probably do that
4: mm-hmm.
2: soon, like tonight. I'll probably buy the ticket. You know, tonight or tomorrow after the podcast for Thursday night.
3: Right. Well, I mean. I'll be interested to get a at least a thumbs up or a thumbs down from you. Um, I will. I'll be interested to see how that pans out. So anything else? Any other news? Except episode nine has wrap, but I think we talked about that last podcast. About yeah. last time. And, okay. still,
2: and still no title.
3: Well, I oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to give that to us at, at Celebration. I really do. I think they're going to give it to us at Celebration with um, – because thinking about it, they'll have wrapped pretty much wrapped promotions for um, in-game. So at that point, they want to start ramping up the machine for Star Wars. For Star Wars, there's my voice. There it is. So I guess we'll see. All right. So Mitchell, okay. How, how did you decide to actually sit down and watch Star Wars? Like, what was the impetus? Like, what what brought you to that?
1: Well, um, in college, a lot of friends made fun of me for Mm -hmm. it in the extent that they would be joking around with things. I wouldn't be able to catch certain things that they were joking about. And several Mm -hmm. people tried to get me to sit down and do it. And I guess like being in the generation that I'm in, I just kind of had that millennial hipster vibe to it where I was like, nah, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, bother with indulging in a franchise at this point that i just haven't you know wear that as my cool kid badge and always have that never have i ever thing at a party and just always kind of get the attention in the room but by the time that i'm at the age where i am now i'm just kind of like i said i go to dinner at four o'clock p.m why not watch star wars right and so um my uh partner is a huge fan of star wars and so Mm -hmm. we just decided for new years we were just gonna catch me up on all of the pop culture that i've missed starting with star wars then going into the jurassic park franchise
3: oh Um, wow i don't
1: know where we're going after there but i'm just kind of getting reacquainted with an aspect of nerd culture that i kind of missed out on for Mm -hmm. a while there Mm mm-hmm just to kind of catch me up to par, I guess that was kind of the impetus for it mm-hmm. um but now I'm just kind of totally invested <laughs> and Yay! So that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole other animal, but um, nice. yeah, now I'm just like really, really into it. um I just finished watching episode eight literally ten minutes ago, um and I cried for like fifteen minutes there oh. for a couple of scenes
4: <laughs> oh. just alone my bedroom.
1: um the entire exchange between uh, Kylo Ren and uh, Rey, whenever he's trying to make, they're trying to make the decision of whether or not she's going to join him after yeah. they had just had that exhaustive battle. Yes. Uh, I just think that the cast in the latest trilogy, they're just so strong that I just like felt the frustration there. Yes. And that was, that was very, very real for me. I was like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah yeah and she reaches out her hand and you're like is she gonna take his hand but you know she can't oh and, uh.
1: and it's problematic that i was like i want her to do it right like, right just destroy the universe and that doesn't sound like a bad plan <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: yeah that wasn't exactly his plan i don't think but oh my gosh well, yeah so many feels well, yeah. yeah so many feels well can you just kind of tell us how you watch the films Because, like, I can say for Frankie and Melissa and I, I think we all watched, you know, one, two, three. No, we watched four, five, six, then one, two, three. And then Mm -hmm. we watched uh, seven, Rogue One, eight, Solo, and we're waiting on nine. So how did you watch the films?
1: So I watched them in order in which they would happen except for Solo. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did one, two, three, Rogue One four five six solo Mm -hmm. um after that after the original trilogy and then Mm -hmm. I did seven eight and um it definitely had a lot of really interest it gave me a lot of really interesting perspectives that while my partner and I were watching like he would notice that I would still be referring to the emperor as the chancellor um like throughout the original trilogy, whenever I mention like, oh man and the chancellor, he's like, No, the Emperor. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. for me that's that's who that is. So um that was that kind of has some really interesting things to it. But mm-hmm. that's that's how I viewed them.
3: Wow. And so did you I think you said that you wish you'd seen solo in a different order or no. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah,
1: you, you remember that correctly. Um, whenever I watched Solo, because the deal was that apparently the feedback that I got was Solo wasn't the best. Um, and so we decided to hold off on Solo and so we could get straight into the original trilogy because that mm-hmm. seemed to be more exciting. But mm-hmm. by the time I had been acquainted with Han Solo mm-hmm. and I watched the Solo <laughs> movie, I was mm-hmm. like, oh no, if I just would have watched this before I got to know him, I might have enjoyed it better. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to like fully express that, but during the movie, I was just like, if this were maybe anyone else, then mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed this experience a little bit more. But, mm-hmm. um, episode six, had a really, sh- I had a really strong attachment to episode six um and kind of the wait 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 that... wait
3: wait wait
1: what
3: you had a strong attachment to episode six the one with the, the one with the ewoks
2: yeah do, do you really uh, like the ewoks i love the ewoks yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh <Frankie>. um, yes <laughs> yes,
3: <laughs> yes! Um, mitchell i adore
1: you <laughs> It, she,
2: she brought you here to destroy me.
1: Yeah. So the, the thing with the Ewoks is that I didn't particularly like the Ewoks, but I liked them as a vehicle for like the kind of slice of life exchange that happened while they were with the Ewoks, if that makes any sense.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Like By the time I got to episode six, I was really craving seeing this trio of characters interact in a kind of slice of life way, just seeing them kind of slowed down a bit because episode four was go, go, go. And episode five, they were split apart for a while. And I really just wanted to see an interaction and mm-hmm. the interaction at the Ewok village, I really, really liked just because it was a slowed down aspect of them. And that also came from my me being exposed to the prequels first because the prequels there was a lot of slow pacing and um processing and things like that Mm -hmm. that the first two movies in the original trilogy didn't have and so I had gotten used to that and then I got removed from that and I was kind of wanting to see that yeah Yeah, I was missing that um I'm gonna
3: I'm gonna ask a I I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask if it's going to turn out to be a controversial question. Is there one that really stood out to you as not being in place, like not being star Wars? (laughs) And this is, I mean, and, and and I I know the answer, but I think, I think my podcast partners need to hear.
1: It's going to be crazy. And I really, I'm excited to hear you guys respond to it, but I really did not like episode four in the, place where it was <laughs> while I watched it.
3: Frankie's ass!
4: Frankie's ass!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds because everybody told me that I had to start with the original trilogy because episode four was kind of like what invites you on the adventure, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it it like extends the invitation you're supposed to experience it through Luke but when you don't start out with episode four it really seems out of place. Like, going into episode four with the other context, it mm. was a very jarring experience for me. Which, whenever I told Daniel that, he about had a heart attack. And, <laughs> and he told me to never tell people that.
0: <laughs> and now Daniel was, was
1: very funny. wise. Right, right. <laughs> because, and he was like, well, you have to imagine whenever I watched the first Star, whenever I watched the um, the first movie in the prequels and we spent 30 minutes with pod racing i felt like that wasn't star wars and so it was we kind of had a very opposite reaction to things whenever we picked up a new trilogy if that makes sense well Mm -hmm. we had the same reaction for the first episode of a new trilogy um it just depended on which trilogy we started out with
4: yeah
1: um but anyways yeah that was the one that kind of felt jarring for me
3: right See, I mean, and, and to be fair, I, I'm, I'm kind of laughing at my podcast partners because just because I can. But um, <laughs> to me, episode four does feel very Star warsian but I can see where you're coming from. Um, but for me, and I think I think I know for Frankie and I think for Melissa as well, the prequel trilogy was kind of jarring for us. And yeah. the Phantom Menace in particular, to me, didn't feel very Star warsian And I think the reason it didn't was because of the lavishness of like Padme Amidala costuming and all the water Mm -hmm. because I was still in that sort of desert planet Mm -hmm. um battle fatigue kind of thing and and as dressy as it got was Princess Leia in you know a white gown and so and you didn't even really have any of that in in the last two so for me seeing Padme Amidala as queen and um and her double as queen, it just it 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 just felt kind of jarring to me. So it's sort of an interesting juxtaposition, I think, to have um, that kind of reaction to 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 different movies. Um, and and two is also interesting because you know you're a lot younger than we are, <laughs> so we we were exposed to these movies over a long period of time, as opposed to now. Um, so. We did have a few questions for you. Frankie, your question was prequel-related. Mm-hmm. And um, and let's see. Hey, your question was... Uh, what did you think about the acting? Um, Count Dooku, the CG, and does this just seem ridiculous? So how, can you field those? Y-
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, the acting was... I'm not sure if the acting was what got me, and as much as the dialogue, I still can't process the I hate sand exchange. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> terrible, wasn't it? Um, oh my god. Um,
3: it's really bad. I mean, that, that's not a good pickup line.
1: No, it it was bad. And then um and then the one that really got me was whenever he kills whenever Anakin kills the sand people and he says, I killed not just the men, but the women and the children too. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of dialogue choices that kind of took me out of that. Um, As far as the acting, I think that sometimes they were working with what they got because there were some moments where coming with like the CG aspect it felt like they were acting around the CG rather than using the CG as a tool for them to use while they act, if that makes sense at all. Um, So like the dialogue was built around the CG capabilities, not necessarily they were using the CG to further any type of dialogue exchange. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Um, And I get that because, well, what I was told the CG was kind of, revolutionary for its time like what they were capable of doing and mm-hmm. um, but coming as a view <clears throat> seeing it in succession trying to get a full story there were moments where um, that that CG kind of downplayed anything else that was currently at stake I think specifically of the water scene too
4: mm-hmm.
1: where we get like there's always a bigger fish several times in a row
4: mm-hmm,
1: um, mm-hmm. so Mr. that was what?
2: Fishzilla, like guys, Fish like, like Fishzillas.
1: Yeah, there's several of them, and then the and then we watched the we watched the one with the extended pottery thing cut, um, <laughs> and so uh, that wait, was, there's a
3: cut where it was longer.
1: Well it was the full pod racing scene i don't he said that whenever it was released theatrically um it wasn't as long as what it was in the version that we watched oh my God.
4: Oh, sorry, <laughs>
2: <Jesus>. <laughs> maybe that explains why that thing remember remember melissa's talking about the last podcast where there's like somebody there and suddenly they're not there yeah like the pod racing doesn't flow maybe right. that's why because it was poor editing
4: yeah,
3: like they pulled it out for the theatrical version and then they just didn't CGI several, a, Yeah, the test yeah, audiences died
2: during that, that scene.
4: No, they did <laughs> really what They
2: died. During, the test audiences died during the extended podcast no, scene. No, they
3: did not. That's, <laughs> you
2: can, you can, that's true. You can you Google it. <laughs> oh,
3: okay. That's not true. <laughs> so, um, how did you... Uh, Okay, so dealing with those technical issues and whatnot. Um, what did you think about Count Dooku as a villain, like Darth Taranis? What did you think about him as a villain?
1: I, I'm i not entirely sure because I don't really remember a whole lot of the villains from the prequels. Um,
3: were they just kind of interchangeable, except for the Chancellor?
1: They, I mean, I they were. I felt the one that... Like the only way that I remembered some of the motivations of the villains mm-hmm. were specifically because of the context that's given at the beginning. So the rolling mm-hmm. text that's mm-hmm. that that was kind of the a only scroll. way that I was able to keep up with um with the motivations of who's doing what, what what the villains are doing. My favorite one was General Grievous, just because I thought he was a bad, you know, totally awesome. Yeah, so I-
3: you liked grievous with the spinning lightsabers yeah
1: i was 110 percent sold on whatever was happening and then it was cut a little bit short um for me but whenever it came to count dooku i just um i just thought that it it could have literally been anyone else um i don't remember him as being super memorable um
4: Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, like you said, a lot of the villains seem to kind of be interchangeable for me.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't even remember most of like the merchant skilled people. Um, yeah. Not that merchant. Yeah, I don't. Yeah,
2: the yeah. So the reason I brought yeah. Duku was specifically was because of the uh, fan fest that's coming up. Duku is massive, and that and that picture is a, is a poster. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that's one of the things I kinda of wanna say, all right, how did Dooku play for you, a new fan, when like, you know, like three is not in the picture, but Dooku, who you can't you you can barely he's like an interchangeable villain.
1: Right. Um I don't remember him doing anything that was super iconic either, um, other than him being someone for uh Anakin Anakin. to Hill, right? Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that was his purpose. I don't remember any of his motivations outside of that. I don't even remember what he was trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, no, that's totally fair.
2: Would you yeah. prefer to see Darth Maul have survived, and that been like a you know, like like have that one continuous like major villain?
1: I think that's a hundred
2: you, you yeah. know what i'm saying like it's like Darth Maul like being like the the chief like physical the physical nemesis like the here's who i'm doing my lightsaber battles with would you prefer that
1: 110% um okay. And I want to share, this is something I just want to go ahead and get out of the way. There were a lot of times watching these movies where I kind of made the remark, I feel like Tumblr lied to me, because I was in the generation where Tumblr was the main way where things were being circulated. It's either Tumblr or Reddit whenever Mm -hmm. I was in college. And so like I thought Darth Maul was going to play a larger role just because Mm of the... Of how iconic he is. Mm -hmm. And. um, I'll never forget. Whenever Darth Maul unleashed both of the lightsabers. um, Daniel like. Grabbed my forearm. And was like. Isn't that bad? And I was like. Well yeah. um, Totally. And I was kind of in it. um, But then he just kind of disappears. And I felt like Tumblr seemed to have implied. That he had a stronger role. For that than. That. So that makes sense.
3: Well, I mean, to be fair, <clears throat> I think all of us felt that way because you wouldn't remember this, um, Mitchell, but all the prequel, like uh the the marketing and all that stuff for mm-hmm. episode one, he was painted as like this huge villain. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's chopped in half and he's gone. he's like, wait, what <laughs> That was right. too easy, right? <clears throat> and then we find out in some ancillary materials that he doesn't actually die, but that's another story for another time. Um but I mean, yeah, it just seemed too freaking easy, right? That he just yeah. got like, what? Why? Yeah. Where? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Tumblr might have lied to you, but but I feel like the uh the prequel marketing maybe lied to us as well a little
4: right.
1: bit back
3: in ninety right. nine.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, so you're not alone. You're
1: not, um, yeah. And I and Daniel tried to express to me how it was iconic as a kid seeing the reg, the original Star Wars trilogy and then seeing someone whip out dual lightsabers mm-hmm. and seeing like a full fleshed out <laughs> lightsaber battle. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was something that was supposed to be really cool, and I think it would have been had an even stronger impact for me if I would have seen like that same character indulge in fights over and over again, Mm -hmm. rather than being, like you said, one and done Mm -hmm. with other characters that easily Darth Maul could have filled in their place. Mm -hmm. Um, They could have easily have written him to have taken their place.
3: Right. Right. Okay. That's interesting.
0: Well, that leads me to a question that Sally didn't send you, but I'm curious after talking about all these different interesting characters was there any character in particular that really spoke to you or that you connected with and and why
1: (laughs) um all overall or
0: yeah, overall was there just one character that really stood out to you and that you
1: um that's that's a That's a kind of really interesting question because I want to give you two answers. Um, The first one's kind of problematic (laughs) because uh, seeing the prequels, the thing that I thought that the prequels did really, really well was political hijinks. I like things like House of Cards and anything Mm -hmm. that is that way. And whenever we finished the third episode, I looked at Daniel and I was like, I think the Chancellor's my favorite character. Wow. (laughs) And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, that was really well played. Like seeing the rise to power in the Senate. Right. I got like some Frank Underwood vibes and was 110% sold. But overall... I would have to say that I think episode seven did for me what a lot of people promised me episode four would do for me, where I really, really connected with Ray in a way that um, I didn't have the hype build up for, but um, I,
0: Strax is charming. eh? Strax agreed with you.
1: (laughs) But um, I just really connected with that particular character and her origin story and her sorting through her things very well um and i wanted i wanted so hard to connect with padme Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Uh, episode one um phantom menace i thought i was going to connect with her just because i tend to like um depictions of strong female characters that's just kind of i was a sailor moon kid just as much as i was a um, Mm -hmm. dragon ball z kid um and i felt really let down by padme um felt better about leia but Rey was really like the type of character that i just had a strong connection with and a protagonist that i really wanted to root for Mm
4: -hmm. um
1: but that would be my response. The Chancellor and, <laughs> and Ray.
0: Interesting.
1: Very, yeah, that
3: is very interesting. interesting. I like, it, I like it a lot. Um, <clears throat> well, my question actually is sort of a follow-on to that, uh, because mine was which movie spoke to you the most and why. I had two, but um, that's the first one. Which movie spoke to you and why?
1: Um, as far as the actual films go, mm-hmm. because of the order in which they were presented. I loved on, like, a storytelling level Rogue One Mm -hmm. um, because it showed, like, (laughs) it showed the casualty aspect that I really wanted from, Mm -hmm. like, episodes one, two, and three. I wanted to see, like, the consequences on a very local level. Sure. And it gave me the opportunity to see that. And it kind of set me up better to understand the risks that were happening in Episode 4. I think if I went into Episode 4 without seeing Rogue One, it would have been even more jarring. But at least with Rogue One, I had an understanding of, no, there are actual people on the ground doing these things, and they're dying. Mm. Uh, And that, from a storytelling standpoint... I really connected with Rogue One. I think that there are definitely ways that the characters could have been better developed, um, things like Mm -hmm. that. But Mm -hmm. as far as being a piece to the puzzle, while watching them in that particular order, I think it played a very strong role. I'm (laughs) sure my opinion would have been different if I would have watched it as a type of retcon or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Daniel was trying to... Which is how we watched it. Right. Daniel was trying to explain to me that... um, he was like, he kind of was very laissez-faire about it, talking about how it was just to fill in a plot hole gap, um, about how they knew where the where the hole was. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was kind of seeing soldiers on the ground, doing things, consequences. Um, and it made the Empire feel kind of real for me. Going into mm-hmm. episode four, where I didn't really have, if I would have gone straight into there, I wouldn't have a context about... What type of war is actually going on? Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, sure, it does. Sure, it does. <clears> okay, cool.
1: I, I mean, I would be a little bit interested just to hear a brief explanation about your perception of Rogue One whenever it came out. Any of well, you,
3: Frankie, uh, that's one of I think that's his favorite of the newer films.
1: Yeah, that's
2: my so favorite of the newer do, films. Do you
3: want to do you want to tangle that?
2: That's I. Other than to say like ditto, I mean, because that was it, right? I mean, it it took you from thirty thousand feet to ground, you know, to here's the ground. These are what the soldiers are doing. This is right. how this all happened. And this is um, it was you know, what did you call it? A fan? It was just it's
3: fan servicing. Oh, my it gosh. is is a
2: fan servicing. So fan servicing. <laughs> and I'm fine with that because I'm a fan and I need to be serviced. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right? I mean, it was it was perfect like i like seeing vader like really rip into it uh, yeah it was so many things were fun about that movie um yeah like some of the things you could just imagine that are, are being done it it filled those it gave you the details and that's what i really liked about it so right right cool i, think
3: for, <clears throat> I liked for i the movie i really did but <clears throat> it's not my favorite of the newer films um But I think you're right that it does provide a perspective that, especially within the Skywalker saga, because that Skywalker saga is that if it focuses on Anakin and Anakin's journey from little kid to the dark side villain to redemption, and so that he is the focus of those six films really, and and we don't realize that about four, five, and six till we look at it in retrospect. But I think I would have liked Rogue One just as well without Darth Vader wandering in. But I do think that you're right. It does fill in, it does fill in a plot hole. It does explain why there is this, there is this uh, a, a vulnerability in the Death Star and whatnot. So I'm, I mean, I don't complain about Rogue One and I don't, I don't particularly want to know what it looked like before they edited it to be what we got. But I know Frankie would like to see that. I have no idea. Because be, like.
2: the, the unedited version was supposed, to, you know, there was a different version. It's supposed to be a lot less kind. Okay. And I
3: don't understand how it could have been less kind because at literally everyone we like dies. So how is how can be less kind?
2: <laughs> I think it could have been grittier. No, you could have made it grittier, like the way they, yeah, you could have strung out their deaths.
3: Well, it's not like they all die in one fell swoop. I mean, you have to watch Cherit wow. die, then you have to watch Baze die, and then you have to watch Bodie. I mean, you have to watch them all die in succession. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't, unless you're making the argument that, that, uh, Jen and Cassian hugging it out is, is somehow.
2: Did, were you, were you, yeah, that's, I mean, it was, I don't know, I really enjoyed it, you know, but like I said, you know, I read several th- versions that said that it was softened.
3: Hmm. Maybe because they stuck Princess Leia at the end, saying, "Hey, it's hope," <laughs> and, you know, and leading into a new hope. I don't know. Uh, Frankie, did you have another question that maybe you didn't shoot our way?
2: Um, I did. I was just kind of a jump back question about about Solo. What, actually, I would. I almost want to hear. Did, were you going to ask him at some point where would he rank the movies in order?
3: I wasn't gonna go through that whole thing. I was gonna (laughs) maybe ask him what his favorite film was, but he and and he gave us the one that spoke to him the most. But I don't know what his favorite favorite was. (laughs) I
2: I guess least favorite, most favorite.
1: Do you want me to go ahead and respond? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, My most favorite, my favorite one was probably episode seven. Um, just because I think that that was a type of movie that was made for me as an audience. I think that that was definitely supposed to be a re-entry point into the series. And they got me with that. Um, because I'm a person who... I don't have the kind of nostalgia factor for appreciating the movies for what they meant at the time or what type of contributions they were even making into the genre of, um, of space film and space drama and space adventure. Um, I had to do that research after the fact and, because I was interested just to see like what critiques were at the time and what folks were saying just to kind of measure up my interpretation and check my own biases. But episode seven being such an easy access point to the series and me watching episode four so recently to it and not clicking with episode four and seeing the parallels between episode four and episode seven um, really sold me in on it. So if, you know, in episode four, if we're meant to experience kind of this wild ride through Luke's perspective, um, and I wasn't quite able to catch on into that because of me knowing his complicated history and things like that, or being able to experience the prequels episode seven, starting with a fresh cast um, that kind of had the same adventurous tones. Um, it really, it really got me into it. I was episode seven, got me really, really invested in what's currently happening um, as far as uh, least favorites go, um, that's a toughie <laughs> because the one that I had the least attachment to was episode four. But I wouldn't say that that was my least favorite. My least favorite would probably go to episode three because I really wanted to like Padme in episode one. And by episode three, um i just didn't even recognize that character anymore um and daniel tried to explain it to me that there are a lot of things that have to happen in episode 3 for it to be a prequel trilogy there are a lot of things that have to be checked off the mark for things to happen and padme dying was one of them but i like i was literally up like until 2am just trying to process all the different things that maybe could have happened not knowing that those things might not have been able to happen because I hadn't seen the original trilogy yet um, but that episode was probably like a really strong joy killer for me because I really wanted to like Padme I kind of wanted to like the young adventurous Anakin and kind of see a complex shift if that's what was going to happen and I don't feel like I super got that Um, the only thing that I was really totally getting was Chancellor playing House of Cards and Rising in the Ranks. And I guess that's how he ended up being my favorite character from the original trilogy. Uh, Um, I'll never forget, immediately after that, I just said, well, if that's how the things ended up, no wonder the Chancellor wins, he kind of deserves it. Like, if Padme's going to put Jar Jar Binks and give him the ability to grant emergency powers, then I guess the Chancellor deserves it. Like, of course the Empire started. Um, So that would probably be my least favorite and my most favorite. Mm -hmm. I know that's a lot to
2: process. but and I guess I keep going with that. So, a lot of, like, our generation had a visceral reaction to Jar Jar Binks.
1: And did you? I didn't get it. I, As far as like a comedy device and things, I guess it was an insert for kids. Um,
4: well, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. That's why I was saying. like, like I said, we, like when I saw it, when I was your age, I was like, I was furious, furious about Jar Jar Binks.
3: See, I didn't dislike him like that. I mean, I just I mean he wasn't my favorite character. I didn't like have a visceral reaction to him. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I I, I just I just didn't have that same kind of uh ah reaction that you're describing. I just didn't like I found him a little annoying.
2: Yeah, I think Gunny Gunny, your you know, your husband and I completely agreed on you know, during a war, he's the first, you know, (laughs)
1: KI. Um cuz he's whenever, a liability.
3: He's a clear liability. I mean, he 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 bumbled his way through it, right? I mean, he he got through it. Um and he managed to actually help. You know, so let's let's give him where credit where credits due. But um I found that, I do find that interesting that episode 7 is your favorite. And actually it is my favorite as well, and I did not get a positive reaction from my two good friends here. Um, I think they felt like I was betraying our, um, decades long friendship in my preference for, uh, episode seven, because it is possibly my favorite movie ever. Um, and, uh, and I actually liked the last Jedi really well. And I kind of want to get a little bit into last Jedi because I know you said you just finished it, uh, just a little bit ago, like an hour ago at this point. And I didn't know if you wanted to unpack anything from it, and kind of, you know, and I'll and I'll go ahead and forewarn you that Frankie's not a big fan. He doesn't he doesn't like it, um, very much. Uh, um, I think he likes it slightly better than the Rebels, but uh, Melissa is also not a huge fan of the Last Jedi. So is that fair?
0: I I wouldn't say. I mean, I didn't mind it.
3: Damn, do I faint praise? <laughs> so anyway. Um, <clears throat> You wanted to unpack some stuff about it, and I will be happy to unpack stuff about it. Um, Well,
1: I think that what I want most as perspective is I want to get an understanding of how folks who grew up with the characters Solo, Luke, and Leia, how they responded to them reprising their roles in these new films and what they did with those characters. Because I'm watching it in quick succession, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like an almost organic flow of story. Mm -hmm. Um, But I So I didn't have the chance to kind of build those characters outside of what I'm exposed to. So I didn't have action figures. I didn't have comics. I didn't have those things. And so I'm interested in how, you know, long-term fans responded to the way those characters are handled and the Mm -hmm. character choices that are made with them, if that makes sense. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing that I want to unpack.
3: Okay, Frankie. I think you should hit this first because you were the one who who like read the extended universe before they decanonized. It. You were the one that probably had the most attachment to the original trilogy. which yeah. is fair,
0: Melissa? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: You had a
0: lot more knowledge about it than yeah, I. Yeah,
2: I had yeah a lot of you know before you know George Lucas you know went and you know said this is this and this is that. So um, I was you know I was fine with like Han Solo and Chewbacca the way they were. Um,
3: Wait the way they were in episode seven.
2: In the way they were in seven. And, and, okay,
3: okay, yeah, I and, just was and, and,
2: and and fine with even Chewbacca in eight as well. Um, I Leia, I was fine with Leia. Leia was you know I found Leia to be strong. I think she got stronger as she was a leader, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know she you know she grew up in so I, I was fine with Leia. Um, and you guys know who I'm upset about. I'm upset about Luke.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: That's not Luke. It's not yes. Luke. No, it is not Luke. Yes. <laughs> it's not Luke. It is not Luke. It is not Luke. It is not. Listen, every, every, everybody, you take your licks, you go high and old, you get better, but you, no, no, no. Yeah. And Mark Hamill said it wasn't. It? Mark Hamill agreed with me. And then Disney came down on his butt and he changed his lip
0: service. I think of all the things about the movie that I didn't appreciate it was the portrayal of Luke. And I disagree. But,
3: um, mm-hmm, go ahead. Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm.
2: He said it, And then we all know Disney was like, hey, Mark, you're the Joker voiceover actor on a cancel-teak cartoon. This is now your wordage. And he's like, okay. I'll take my $8 million now. Mm-hmm. I
0: disagree. Melissa, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, just, um, you know, as usual, me and Frankie agree. <laughs> <laughs> I am the sole voice of anything opposite. Me. And it was, it was a little, it took me out of the movie a little bit whenever we see Princess Leia display such a huge punch of power that we had not seen before. That was like jarring to me. Um but, you know, those were the two things that bothered me the most, I think. It wasn't the bombs falling in space? Oh, well, of course. But I, I <laughs> like, la- well, we all know Star Wars is not scientifically accurate. But this, yeah, that, that like really took me out of the movie as well. But
3: They explained they were magnetic, by the way. Go ahead.
0: <clears throat> okay, well, anyway. Um, but other than that, I mean, I love the new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Kylo Ren. I, I love him. I, I wouldn't say I love Kylo Ren, but um, I, you know what? I don't love Kylo Ren. I love Ben Solo. I'm interested in where they're going with this character. Um, I think, like Mitchell said, I'm I'm really excited about seeing a strong female lead in Ray. Um, so that's exciting. But you know, no, I'm not really happy about what they did with some of my old favorites.
1: Well, okay. Um, all right, did you want to add something, Sally?
3: Well, I was just going to kind of tackle your question. Um, to me, Han Solo and Chewie don't really change. Right. Um, they don't; they're the same as they were in the original trilogy. So apparently, thirty years hasn't really had an impact on them so much. Uh, but I also view that as sort of a regression on the part of Han Solo. Um, I think because he he feels like he lost his son, and he did. Um, with regards to Leia, I, it didn't bother me that she uh, demonstrated an ability to use the Force because she's had the Force. She, it just manifests itself differently in her. And um, the other thing is I read before before I watched the movie, I read Leia, Princess of Alderaan. And she actually does use the Force actively in that book, a book you wouldn't have read, right? Um and she actively uses the Force in that book. So my understanding of Leia was that, you know, she's in a life-threatening situation. She can summon up this power to to use the Force if it's necessary in an active sort of way. But normally with her, it's like a low hum and it gives her... Strength of character and fortitude to be able to continue on when she's just watched her entire family, her entire planet blow up. She's able to continue on and then comfort the farm boy and say, "Oh, they're there. This man that you've known for twelve hours is dead. Poor, poor boy." Um, it gives her that kind of strength that you, that you don't see. And Luke and then Luke has this more active power and and Frankie and Melissa's points about Luke are I think are well taken it's just that I think that Luke is acting very much within character I think that Luke one has never failed like he had failed before with with Ben like in the original trilogy he does not fail he 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 loses in, in Bespin, on, on, in Cloud City, when he loses his hand and he freaks out that his dad is Darth Vader. But even at the end of that movie, he hasn't, because he's like father, like he, he's like waking and he's, he's having this connection with Darth Vader. So he's already decided at the end of that movie that, that Anakin Skywalker is not in fact dead. He's already decided that he's going to push to bring Anakin back. And so, in Return of the Jedi, what does he do? He returns the Jedi, right? He brings the Jedi back. Anakin Skywalker So he hasn't failed, and he fails with Ben Solo. And frankly, he doesn't know how to react. So he goes and he he does exactly what what he has done before. He goes and he tries to figure it out. And I think he got to Octo, um, and and got these Jedi texts at the Jedi Temple, and and realizes. How badly the Jedi have failed, and how and this and this uh, religion that he adheres to has proven to be faulty, and so he just kind of says he doesn't know how to respond, and so he takes himself out of the equation because he thinks that taking himself out of the equation is the answer, and to me that that is within character for Luke Skywalker because he believes that he's the problem, so he's going to take himself out of the equation and and i don't i don't have a problem with now frankie is gonna you know disagree with me wholly and he picks himself up and does well i think in his own way that was him picking himself up and dusting himself off because he's realized that what he has done has been a failure and that that the jedi religion has been a failure from his perspective and and he tells us why when he says you know darth sidious um the jedi allowed darth sidious to rise and Allow Darth Vader and I mean, he, he he reads it to his chapter line and verse. So I, I don't have a problem. Like, do I enjoy the fact that the force killed Luke? No, I don't. But I think in the end, Luke got the ending that he deserved and that he went into the force and became one with the force. And he was able to help contribute to redeeming his nephew, who he had unintentionally pushed even further to the dark side. That's what I think.
2: So, but oh. I just want to quickly interject here. Luke, when we're introduced in A New Hope, has no idea that Darth Vader is his father. He yeah. is simply a guy who is standing up to evil.
4: Luke, no, that's, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, Okay, he—that is his core character. He is a guy okay. standing up to evil,
3: and he thinks. And in, no, no, no.
2: Himself. In The Last Jedi, Did I
3: say
2: he. It? He is not a guy. He stops being a guy, standing up to evil. He retreats. Yes, he does, because he said, knows that Snoke is. My mind. But because he, he knows Snoke is out there running loose with the First Order, killing kids.
3: Actually, he knows. Does, that, he? does of course he? he does. Of course he
2: does. Of course stop, he does.
3: Stop, stop, stop. How do, do you know he knows that? Does French he not know
2: the First Order is coming? Does he know the First Order is coming? Does he know the First Order? Yes, he knows the First Order is coming.
3: How do you know that?
2: Because what can Jedi do? What can Jedi do?
3: He cut himself off from the First No, 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 no,
2: no, 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 You don't know when he cut himself When did he cut himself off? So, does he know Snoke is out there? Does he know Snoke is out there? Yes, he knows, because it was always Snoke. It was always Okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. I have to say, I mean, he didn't know what happened to Han he
3: did not know what happened to his best friend. He know what
2: happened to Han because he was off from the Force when he died. However, he did know that Snoke existed because he had to because of the reference No listen, think about the reference that Leia made to, to to Han Solo. It was always Snoke. It was always Snoke. So that means wow. that Snoke was something that was present in 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 Ben Solo's life. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So if he was present in Ben Solo's life, he would also have been present in his life at the same time that Luke was present in his life, because Luke was present in his life from childhood all the way up until then. So they, he would have known, he would have had to know about Snoke.
1: Okay. As um, just coming off of the Last Jedi, whenever um, Ray confronts Luke about killing, well, trying to attempt to kill Ben. Uh Luke says that it was too late because Snoke already had gotten to Ben. I so, don't so well that was that mm-hmm. was that's what he says to Ray mm-hmm. in that scene. Yeah. But um like all of that makes a lot of sense because like the like the back and forth makes a lot of sense to me. Because whenever I was watching these movies Especially the first, so in episode seven, coming off of um, the first six, I had this perception that maybe they were using the original trilogy characters kind of as a um, way to act as a cushion in case the new cast didn't stand by themselves Mm -hmm. just because the story in some sense didn't quite make full sense to me how we already bounced back from the empire to this within Mm -hmm. like the same lifetime as characters Mm -hmm. um and if there was this evil already being generated, if there was this disturbance in the force, things like that, there just, like, weren't, weren't certain things that were adding up to me coming immediately after the successful win of the war. Mm-hmm. But I 110% thought that the original cat, well, the new original cast was strong enough to kind of stand on their own Mm -hmm. without introducing kind of like these lore complexities Um, so I totally would 110% bought it if Luke Leia and them were kind of like mythological figures at this point or things like that Um, and to be honest whenever we had the scenes with Luke it did kind of take me out of it because I didn't quite know how to make sense of him Mm -hmm. in this way because he didn't have this type of strong character development in 4, 5, and 6 for me to be completely sold about this is how he would act. Mm-hmm. Because of, um, I had to keep on rationalizing certain Choices in my mind of okay, no, yeah, that does match this personality trait. So, like, whenever Ray's trying to feel the force and he gets the leaf and he rubs it against her hand and jokes with her, like, Do you feel that? Do you feel that? That's the force. Um, mm-hmm. that seemed like a kind of comical relief moment that I couldn't immediately make sense as a character choice. Um, mm-hmm. But then I had to kind of think, well, no, he is kind of playful, things like that. But I would have to potentially agree with the stance that um, I'm not sure if he would choose to not fight. Um,
3: The thing is, he does choose to fight. Well, when he when he connects himself back to the force, he does choose to fight. Let's
0: remember what this podcast is about. Right. It's about a conversation with a newbie. Yeah. True. Who, so this is all about what he thought and his impression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but I'm just saying. And I am fascinated by that. <clears throat> and, and I think, you know, the fact that you could have watched that episode without, even though you had watched. Yeah. In order. And and you were familiar with what yeah. had happened in the previous episodes. You could have watched that episode and not had that strong presence there. That's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. I like as far as like it being in consecutive order, and as like as long as it being like a cohesive narrative, um I was I liked the new cast enough for them to not necessarily have to bring in the extra cast. I think the person who I most enjoyed being brought back, and the way that I thought was most handled brought back, was Leia, mm. just because she takes that kind of. A side role where she's not necessarily front and center but she has enough stories still happening where it's propelling like an overall narrative forward Mm -hmm. i felt like her role and her reprisal was really well handled and i would have liked maybe for some of the other characters to be handled in such a way too um that was she was the one person who i thought As far as keeping the narrative going while still introducing fresh faces. Mm -hmm. She was the one that was the best handled. And from what I gather, potentially even the least controversial coming from long-term fans. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas maybe the way that other characters were handled, not so much. I don't even remember the original question that you asked me that got us here.
4: (laughs) That's okay. I have
0: a follow-up question I think she went off on one of her tirades. I know. I
2: I have have a question. I I do have a question. How did you feel about the way they handled Chewbacca and Luke?
1: Um,
2: Because that's something that does bother me.
1: I am not 110% sure. Um... Because Chewbacca's characterization. I haven't. I don't think that I've been exposed to Chewbacca enough to have, I know that that's crazy because I've seen like all the, all the movies at this point, but based off of just the narrative that I'm giving about Chewbacca, including solo, I'm not sure if I still have enough to kind of string along a consistent characterization of him, or I just haven't like rewatched it enough because now that I finished watching it, I feel like I have to rewatch it. (laughs) Um, So I'm not quite sure about him. Uh, and I don't even really know much about their relationship together to understand. Um, I, so you're talking about like Luke and Chewbacca, right? Yeah,
2: like because like Luke and Chewbacca, because you see Ray and 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 Luke, and you can say okay, Ray and Luke are interacting because of this Force connection. However, Chewie and, and 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 Luke are you know lifelong friends. They are you know they've known each other forever, right? And Chewie's down, you know eating porgs at the bottom of the Falcon,
1: right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. I mean, why isn't Chewie up there? Why is not why don't you see, and one of the things bother me, like, okay, other than, you know, Chewie knocking the door in, like, there's not a lot of interaction between Chewie and Luke, and it seems like you know, Chewie would have been the one to, hey, listen, you've been gone.
1: Yeah. I, I, just to be honest, based off of seeing them in the order that I did and the way that I picked things up, I didn't sense there wasn't anything off for me because I didn't really think they had the strongest of connection on screen. Like there might have been a lot of things that happen off screen that are implied. Um, so I 110% think that somebody who spent like so many years hanging out, being close comrades, things like that. That especially if I had years to digest in between them, under the assumption that during that time they were supposed to be spending quality time together doing those things. But I just didn't have enough time to assume that they were closer than that. And I'm not 110% sure that, based off of what I understood about Chewie from the Solo movie, um, if I'm going to accept like the way that he's handled in that movie to be like in line with his character that he would necessarily be the one to chase someone down. I'm not sure, but that's a really good question. I'd like to rewatch and kind of look out for that. Um, But. So the
2: life debt and stuff like he doesn't know about the life debt and all that kind of stuff.
3: Right. But here's the other thing. Speaking as a 20 plus year fan of star Wars, I didn't really like Chewie and Luke. That that connection for me was never the kind of connection that Chewie had with Han. Yeah, I mean he's friends with Chewie. Luke is friends with Chewie, but not even friends like Leia is friends. What bothered me was when Chewie is going off to see Finn and it kind of walks right past Leia and Leia comes up and hugs right at the end of seven. I mean, JJ Abrams came back and said, Hey yeah, that was my my bad. I shouldn't have done it. Yes. Um so I can, I can accept that that was just a, a misstep on the part of JJ because he says it is so, but, but the deal with like Chewie and Luke, I don't really see them as being all that connected together. But again, I didn't read the the number of books that you did, Frankie, and I, uh, and books that at this point, I think have probably been decanonized, but I didn't have that same kind of connection for those two characters. I think that you did, Frankie. So, Mitchell, I'm not sure. I'm surprised that you didn't see the same things.
1: Um, you know? Yeah, I know that this is random. I don't know how much time we have. Um,
3: we, we just kind of go until we think we're yeah. done.
1: Yeah. I really, really wanted to answer um melissa's question i know this is kind of out of place in a non sequitur, but the one about seeking the lessons in the movie
4: yeah yeah
1: um because that was something that i had to really think about Mm -hmm. because i wasn't sure if i could gather one really i had to because at its heart i feel like it's it's a traditional good versus evil setup Mm -hmm. um but what i like about this particular depiction of good and evil um, is that evil is kind of temptation beyond, like, control. And it's almost seen as a natural way of progression or even a progression of power. What I really appreciate about episode 8, that made (laughs) a whole lot of sense to me, was I love the way that the dark side is presented in episode eight, specifically. Um, whenever Ray goes to touch the mirror, and it's a very physical way of seeing that the dark side can provide answers if she were to make contact with it. That was the type of depiction that I was hoping that I would see whenever... um the Chancellor promises Anakin that they could save Padme. Like, it didn't really seem super tangible then, um, <laughs> that that was something that could be accomplished. But whenever I saw the presentation of the dark side with um, Ray touching the, touching the mirror, seeing her family, things like that, that made it kind of obvious to me. But as far as, like, a moral goes, I'm really interested in... what types of lessons that you guys have kind of pieced together. I think that there's a lot to be said about friends overcoming things and the importance of camaraderie and um, kind of, you know, the classic good will always prevail. There's always good still left in someone, but I don't know if there was something more than that, that maybe I missed because of the way that it was presented to me as a sequence of narrative and entertainment,
4: um,
3: I, for me, Star Wars is about two, two, two very, well, they're, they're interconnected. Um, one, I think Star Wars to me is about the importance of found family, like family and found family, however, whatever shape it takes. And for me, maybe even overarching is the importance of hope. There's always hope even in the darkest. So there's always like when you, when you talk about the dark and the light, there is there is good in the dark, right? You can't... And when you look at the symbols of the force of the dark side, there's light at the middle of it. When you look at the light side, there's dark in the middle of it. So those two things can't exist without one another. You have to have the dark and the light together. And and just turning on a light drives back the darkness. So for me, Star Wars, in in the final analysis... While it's tragic at some level, Mm -hmm. it's also about hope. And I refuse to believe that the end of the Skywalker saga is going to not be hopeful. (laughs) So for me, that's what it's about. Melissa, do you have one?
0: Um, Well, one of the things I posted on the Say When page was one of Rose Tico's um, Mm -hmm. sayings was that – we're going to win by not fighting what we hate, but fighting for what we love. Um, So that I think is kind of an overarching theme. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we're
3: going to win. Not by destroying what we hate, but by saving what we love. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: So there's that. And then just a fascination with, um, um, Sorry, Drax is being extremely <laughs> distracting tonight, like he is in rare form.
2: <laughs> he is Here a destroyer.
0: <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, he, we've had him mute so much tonight on our end because he's just been a terror tonight. But anyway, um, back to the question.
3: Yeah, uh, I said family and hope. Family and Hope. I love Rose Tico's line. I think Rose Tico's line yeah. is hands down the most important line in episode eight. But, you know, what do I know? I'm
4: just a fangirl. The
0: contradiction between what happens whenever you um, obsess too much over something, um, like love, when we see Anakin and and how he just kind of goes overboard on his emotions and his love for Padme and what that does to him and um, that sort of thing is just fascinating to me. And then the Jedi mm-hmm. Order and how they kind of warp and twist people. And- well, that
3: whole notion of you don't need to love, like that's, that's monstrous, right? You're making, you're making a, um, a sociopath if mm-hmm. you're telling people not to love. Uh, but that might be an overly harsh statement of of the Jedi philosophy. So, anyway, sorry.
0: But it's I think it's the thing that I find most interesting about the movie is finding a balance is kind of what is the most important thing.
3: Which they didn't do, and that was one thing that Luke said. Oh, for many years there was balance. No, dude, there wasn't balance. There wasn't. Like you think there was balance because the lights had one, but that's not balance.
0: But how to find it. Yeah. Um, that's the lesson. Yeah. Cool. Seek, seek balance. <laughs> Frankie, any insightful comment?
2: Uh, lessons. Yeah. I mean, like I said, to me, it, it, the original started out as a good versus evil straight up. Um, and then as I got older and um, and so you know, the political times in our time, you know, we were scared. You know, it was communist, and I very much as a child viewed that. You know, the empire as communist, as I've said before, and you know, and I like, well, the uh, president
3: that actually called them an evil empire, yeah, like so to right, yeah. on television and called the Soviet Union an evil empire. So right,
2: so yeah, that was very much my mindset as a child: good versus evil. Um It, it is interesting to think about because it is evolving. Like we're getting, we're learning more about the force. You're right. You always would think the light is the good, right? Um, I mean, you can't get into like like in hindsight, you know. You like the Jedi were messed up.
3: They allowed Darth Sidious to rise.
2: Like they're, and like, when
3: Count Dooku said, "There's a Sith Lord at the head of your government," Obi Wan Kenobi says, "I don't believe you." Well you probably
2: should and then he tells Mace and and he tells Mace and Yoda and they were like, Oh, we need to look into this. And um so yeah, so like it's it's one of the reasons I actually said, you know, because I have started rewatching the prequels again just because of my kids. And I'm like, Wow, if actually if I could redo you know, people talk about redoing the last Jedi, I would you Know to me the ones that need to no, they do they mess up the storyline, it, it they do they mess it up, and I and I and I'll, i I I fully will accept that as by myself. Um, I would just change some things. Um,
3: that wasn't why I was shaking my head, by the way. But
2: uh, but yeah, I would change things, you know. I, I've told you that, but that's, that's a separate thing. I would, I would like to see like a you know, Star Wars verse version, like a non canon, call it non canon, but I would fix a lot of things. Um so, like, lessons, you know, it's going to come down to, I think the final episode is going to come down to, it's still going to go back to its original. It's still going to be good versus evil. It's still going to be, it's going to have some fan service scene because there's been enough noise from fans. And then I think you're right, though. It's because it's still a Disney company. It will end with hope. So, I think it's going to, you know, it's got the right director that's going to try to do his best to satisfy three
3: things. I actually was, um, this is also out of, out of order, but um, the other day I mentioned to you this theory that some fans have that I actually proposed to Melissa and Frankie that they, that they, when they watch uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, that they watch it through this lens. Do you think that it's possible or could you buy the thought that uh, Sidious, the Chancellor, the Emperor, steals away the last of Padme's life force to feed into Vader to make him live. Does that make you feel better about Padme as (laughs) a kid?
1: I want to believe because I think it would be nice. And whenever I say that, episode eight has me sold on the idea that that's possible.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So the way that... um, Ray and Kylo are connected like obviously Mm -hmm. there's aspects of the force that kind of transcends space Mm -hmm. um, especially people who seem to be inherently connected and I think that Mm -hmm. there's reason enough to believe that Anakin would be that closely connected to Padme because of the dreams that he's been having about her, seeing her Mm in visions, things like that but I have to agree um, that there's some mm-hmm. things that I wish could have been done with the prequels to kind of help me better accept that that's the way that she goes anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, one of the things that I could take off at the top of my head would be spending some time, a little bit more time in episode one, getting specific developments and seeing, things make progress more quickly rather than spending like time on potter racing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because if we would have spent episode one establishing relationships, two fully exploring relationships, and three seeing the crumbling of those relationships, then I could have more easily believed that Padme loved Anakin enough to kind of put herself out of a to make a, char- a move out of character to walk off the ship to go try to stop him those types of things but by the time we get to Padme in episode 3 i she was my favorite character in episode 1 i thought she was so cool like doing like having doubles and like being able to infiltrate her own pal like you know doing all of those cool espionage things um, and then by episode three, she's kind of pregnant and helpless. And um, <laughs> and I would like to believe that, that, that the way that she goes isn't something that was of her own choosing. Mm-hmm. And um, that the things that she was doing were because of something that was compelling her beyond her own reason. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that I would really like to think about to believe it.
3: You know, it's also worth noting she died with hope. Right. She died saying they're still good in him. Yeah. So I mean, after he like choked her out.
1: <laughs> right. And so so, <clears throat> and so that makes sense that, you know, she if she has hope while she's passing away, she wouldn't necessarily give up out of her own volition
4: mm-hmm. that
1: she'd be willing to let go. But um, and
3: I don't I don't I, I think George Lucas has kind of shot that down. But in my that's my head. Canon, right. I'm, that's what I'm gonna decide. That that's that's why that happened, because I think as a mom myself, I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, I'm not leaving my kids. And, I, and and Frankie's wife had twins, and I'm pretty sure, in his experience, if he had been going bad, his wife probably would not have like, she probably would have come out the car screaming at him, "What the f are you doing? Get in the car. We're leaving." You know, I mean, I don't. I just get that feeling. I don't, I don't know. There's,
2: I just... there's no force strong enough in a galaxy to stop a pregnant woman. <laughs> 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 That's all I'm going to say. I don't care if Vader and, and Inno together. No chance.
3: <laughs> pregnant woman's got
1: it, huh?
2: Pregnant I mean, woman's got it. She's like, yeah, break, I got your lightsabers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So this is this is one interesting perspective that I kind of want to put on the table, too, that necessarily wasn't asked of me, but I think would be really interesting for us to kind of unpack a little bit, Mm
4: -hmm. because
1: I remember like the shocked reactions of me saying that episode four seemed a little bit jarring to me. Um, And I kind of want to unpack as to why that was because you offered me how episode one was jarring for you and I totally 110% understand. But just coming off of the prequels, so the prequels are a lot of like processing trauma, right? At the root of it, it's Anakin processing his traumatic life, getting his motivations for becoming Darth Vader. You know, mom dies to the sand people, Padme dies because of his own volition. He it's nothing but processing his motivations and what forces him to go into the dark side. Then within a, 10 minutes of episode four, Aunt Baru dies. <laughs> and I could not let it go. I was like, are we not going to take a second and process that Aunt Baru's dead um, and not fully unpack that? Um, and he just kind of, you know, Luke gets into the... Into the mode, and he just goes, 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 and that makes sense as an entry point. Like, if the goal of the movie is to invite you on adventure for us to do the adventure, these are things that have to happen in order to get Luke on the ship, right? Mm-hmm. So, in order for him to take off for all those things, that's what has to happen. Where I just came off of three movies where his dad was wallowing, wallowing in melodrama, and mm-hmm. so going through three movies of nothing but processing you know the trauma is central to this character development to see characters very easily shrug off trauma because Mm -hmm. trauma isn't the goal of the movie trauma Mm -hmm. isn't what's central to the movie pressing forward and it's not central to the characters accomplishing their goals this time Mm -hmm. Um, that was what was really jarring to me. And I actually had to do <laughs> to kind of get my head centered. I had to do research on the critiques that were happening for episode four at the time. So what made it so critically acclaimed and it seemed to be the consensus was that it was something that wasn't present in other movies where, especially in space movies where you're invited onto this adventure, you're invited to undergo this kind of um, out-of-this-world experience, get to see extraterrestrial life, being able to see magic, things like that, um, which is a very different attitude than the prequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the prequels, the magic is every day. It's a part of routine at this point. Nothing is surprising. Whereas Luke's like, oh, wow, I, I can gun this turret Whereas in episode one, those things already seem to be implemented and routine to everybody's lives. We don't pick somebody up off of a moisture farm. We're introduced to Anakin, who's very already a skilled pilot and can put together robots. Um, and so that was kind of what was super jarring for me going to episode four. And then... Sally kind of gave me the understanding for how Leia was able to work with her trauma of seeing her home planet get destroyed, whereas I just spent three episodes watching Padme do everything that she could to defend her planet. And so I had this concept of intergalactic patriotism that wasn't necessarily consistent into the next trilogy that I'm introduced to. Not that it wasn't there, but that it wasn't presented in a way to me that the previous one was. Um, And so that was just a really interesting experience. By episode four, um, I was back into the swing of things a bit because things were slowed down. We're able to see like romance blossom between um, Han Solo and Leia. And Luke gets that character development that I missed out on in episode four where he's training and we kind of get to see him grapple with the idea that um, uh, he has to become something. He has to work towards something. He can't just sit behind a steering wheel and suddenly understand how to work turrets. He has to actually put forth effort. And so that kind of stabilized my idea of Luke. And then by episode six, and this is why six is my favorite from the original trilogy, finally get to see an ensemble of characters interacting with each other, um, they're able to slow down with with um, the Ewoks <laughs> and Frankie doesn't <laughs> like the Ewoks and
3: I've told him he's a monster because he doesn't like the Ewoks but there you go
1: but um so then by episode six it was back into the swing of things and then, then episode seven I kind of got the best of both worlds where trauma central to the story but also Ray invites us on an adventure um and so that's why episode seven stood out to me so much among those was because I was like okay so there are definitely a lot of tones that have shifted and I think that what's important to storytelling has even shifted over the years mm-hmm. um and so but I just wanted to share that even though that necessarily wasn't asked of me um just because I thought that that might be interesting because we didn't unpack that earlier. Um does that uh, make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I and, think it's an
3: interesting perspective certainly.
0: And um, that's what we're here for. I mean, you have really I mean,
3: <laughs> I told you. <laughs> yeah, and this I'm is really great because
2: your we, are so, we are we're solid Xers. Yeah. You know, and like I said, I you know grew up with you know I, you know I saw the original in the theater.
4: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: I saw, it and I was too young to be at that theater, but I was in that theater. All the toys. I saw the Christmas special there's a Christmas special
1: um can I share something <laughs> did you see the Christmas the ol- special the only one I saw was the Christmas special <gasps> this year because my friends in high school made me watch it um so that's the only context that I had for a while but yeah I've, I've seen I am that.
3: so sorry <laughs> I am so so sorry I'll I mean, never you told forget. me that
1: yeah, I'll never forget like Chewy waking up to like the alarm clock and stuff and rolling out of bed. And it's like, Welcome to Star Wars. That, <laughs> is, <laughs> that was my entry point. Talk about Slice of Life. Oh uh, boy. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. No,
3: no, no. no. We do that all the time here. It's cool. yeah Yeah. <laughs> no, my, I was listening to the podcast in the car one time. And I was trying to make a point, and Frankie kept on talking. And my middle daughter in the back she goes, "Mama, he keeps interrupting you."
0: But but she does it all the time. So
3: I was like, mm-hmm, "I know, I know." <laughs> so okay, I did ask this question of you, and I thought I would throw this one at you again, Mitchell. I consider Star Wars and it's hard to be modern myth and fairy tale. What say you?
1: Um, I have some ideas about that i think that in a galaxy in a galaxy very far far away um a long time ago ago in a galaxy far far away is very strongly interconnected with the fairy tale genre i'm currently playing through the dragon quest games i don't know if any of y'all play games but they also yeah so um i just I'm playing through all of them this year just because I have a bucket list. And so, an episode, so Dragon Quest IV, each of the chapters is called the Chapters of the Chosen. And it's supposed to be fairy tale themed. And each chapter starts with In a Kingdom Far, Far Away. Um, and so, that's just so inherent to the genre. And I'm a writing studies person, that's what I do. Um, And so that's just kind of like writing studies lingo that I think that it makes sense for me to see that and think that what's being performed is the fairy tale genre. There are a lot of characteristics that I would align with it. I think the latest trilogy has the most evident of there being like this kind of fairy tale setting. Um I think that that's the case. I would say the original trilogy based off of my experiences, I got more of a western genre type mm-hmm. of feel to it. Um and the prequels, <laughs> I don't even really know. <laughs> um, yeah. Because there were several... I think several, we're right there with you. <laughs> because there were several times where I was watching the prequels and I was like, is this the O.C. or Dawson's Creek? Especially, like, the points where um, Padme and Anakin are alone interacting with each other. Yeah. Um, it felt very melodrama soap opera-y where mm-hmm. even the motivations of their romance didn't quite make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um which is which again is why the political hijinks was my favorite part of it. Um, because that made a whole lot more sense to me. But this current set of the warriors quest that Ray is doing makes a lot of sense to me as a fairy tale. Um I'm not sure what type of fairy tale quite yet, but I do feel like Ray is on a warrior's quest in a way that um, her predecessors were not. Um, I if that makes sense. So I'm more easily buying into the fairy tale genre with this current set than I might have with other ones.
3: Well, I see a lot of when I say uh, fairy tale. Yes, absolutely. Uh, especially episode seven, you see the the enchanted forest, you see um Ren looking like a prince, and all of this. Stuff. And that, that's JJ Abrams saying it. Um, and then you get, to me, it's very reminiscent of Beauty and the Beast. Um, and the other thing that I kind of see when I say myth, it's kind of Hades and Persephone. Um, with, you know, Ray descending into the dark and all of that stuff. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. And I think, um, and uh, these two don't, don't always see eye to eye with me. Well, ever, but. No. Um, <laughs>
1: not true.
3: <laughs> but, um, but I also see that um, like, especially within the Raylo fandom, because it's, it's a pretty loud and diverse fandom. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about, about Rey and Kylo Ren as as sort of personifications of of Hades and Persephone or that myth and uh, Beauty and the Beast and even in the Last Jedi, you know, Rey is shipping herself to to him, Allah Snow White in a coffin, right? Yeah, <laughs> holding the lightsaber like, um, and it also harkens back to uh, Padme in her coffin where she's holding the the charm that, that Anakin had given her. And and I also see parallels between uh the so-called Anadala, Anakin Padme, and and uh and and Ray and Kylo. I feel like they are reversing um Anadala, like like Ray and Kylo are fixing the issues of of Anakin and Padme. But you know, there's plenty of that stuff online and, and you probably don't want to try to unpack that right now <laughs> because I just threw it at you. But um like I see it like I can't I can't look at it and not see it like, yeah, it's just to me, it's this neon flashing sign. This is where they're going. And yet we know some very smart people um, who, you know, Frankie you you bring him up a lot paul he just doesn't see it he's like no that'd be really cool if they were actually doing that and i'm like dude how do you not see that they're doing that you know so, so for me i really feel like like the people in the masks in star wars are the people that you know they're going to redeem right if you're a main character and you're wearing a mask at the beginning they're going to take that mask off and you are going to see the real person underneath and generally you're going to redeem that bad guy but I could be wrong. J.J. Abrams could be headed for a completely nihilistic ending. I just, to I me, mean, that would be totally against the hope narrative
1: that I see in
3: Star Wars as a whole.
1: Um, I know this is kind of taking your question and turning it on its head a bit. But with the idea of myth, I think that I agree that I see um, like some trademarks of of myths so like a lot of archetypes that are kind of repeated throughout I n- now that you bring it up like the Persephone things like that that makes sense to me um, and I think that that kind of is what even like those ideas of mythical beings made the original trilogy seem kind of isolated for me because luke skywalker in my mind is a type of character who i would want to be a legend and Mm -hmm. he is right he's kind of ingrained as a legend there's even a map to find him he Mm -hmm. is a mythological being to go seek out and to find there's a treasure map to luke Mm
4: -hmm. which even
1: yeah so even even on a on that level i think that it would have what I was kind of anticipating was him making a more of a mythological kind of overbearing in the new in the new trilogy. So when, by the time that I got there, I felt like, you know, what Luke did, it's really hard to come up off of that. So like fully redeeming your father, watching him die, saving, you know, folks from the empire. I felt like that was kind of a historical moment. And the way that it was handled in the original trilogy, moving from that narrative to this present one, I thought that that's the way that that was going to be handled but rather it kind of seemed as if and a lot of the characters seem to act as if the Empire never really died like mm-hmm. that entity never actually went because we're immediately picking up with a new one with an evil that's been present since Ben was born right and mm-hmm. so um, I think it would have been because he's such a mythological character I can totally even understand now why people are kind of stigmatized or shut, like, uh, not shattered, but separated on how he's handled mm-hmm. because he is such an iconic hero. Yeah. I didn't necessarily like him as a character, and I know that that's controversial, but I loved him as a hero and having a hero story. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's as a
3: essential part- hero's journey, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so, like the idea of even myths within kind of the the uh, core series makes sense, which kind of brings me to one more thing um, that I know wasn't asked to me, but I kind of want to bring up is that I still am not completely sure as a new entry person the status of the Force as a religion, or uh, <laughs> because it's 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 confusing for me, and I'm gonna tell you why it's confusing for me because the Jedi was a full order. Mm-hmm. up until so like Luke 16 and the last Jedi is supposed to be dead right so the so the council so the Jedi council was literally just there like 16 years ago but in Rogue One there are people who say that the force is like it's a religion of old times things like that mm-hmm. Um but literally just like a couple of years ago there were jedis going around to each of the planets policing them in some type of way they were literally on the ground going about doing things and so i'm i'm still unsure how to handle because it's almost super jarring where in the prequels it's a very integral religion where we spend most of our time examining the force as a religion there's not a lot Mm -hmm. of people who are naysayers against that <clears throat> I um, think
0: you're not alone in that feeling. Well, let me say this too,
3: um, with regards to that. I think we need to make a distinction between the Jedi Order as a religion, and then the Force as like yeah. the Church of the Force. Okay, those are those, those are different things. Yeah. Could you, could
4: because
3: that for me? because, Lor San Tekka, at the beginning of at the beginning of uh, the Last Jedi, or not the Last Jedi, the Force Awakens. The beginning, no, the, of the, take it, yeah. the beginning of The Force Awakens. He's the man that Kylo murders. And he is actually the leader of that village. And they are actually a sect of the force of the church, the okay. church of the force. So that's actually like a church. And these are people who believe in the force. They kind of worship the force, but they're not necessarily force users. Okay. And so Laura Santeca has kind of made a career of going around finding force objects, force artifacts and things like this including like holocrons and stuff like this. Now the Jedi are a religion or an order, like a knightly kind of order. And I saw it once in the wake of the prequels, people had that objection. They were like, I don't understand. Why is, why is Han Solo calling it some hokey religion of old? You know, that doesn't make any sense. You know, he, he, he should have remembered them so on and so forth. But the, the, the person who was writing this made the argument that you actually probably wouldn't have seen a lot of Jedi outside of core worlds. Once you got outside of those core worlds, you would see Jedis here and there, but they were not common and you would not have seen um, them a lot. They weren't real thick on the ground. And the other thing is the empire probably made it their job to suppress stories and discussions of the Jedi. Wouldn't you think? Frankie, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I would think that it would be in the Empire's best interest. Speaking as a historian, you know, like you, <clears throat> the Tudors made the Plantagenets out to be very, very bad people. Well, that's not fair, but it worked, right? You know, Richard III is a horrible person because Shakespeare made him out to be. So I think that you would have had some of that same kind of propaganda coming out of the Empire where the Jedi are made out to be the problem as opposed to part of the solution. And, and that, that really suppresses any notion of them being, you know, keepers of justice in the galaxy. Now, I'm not 100% certain on that, but that's kind of my interpretation. And you're free to, of course, disagree, um, but that's kind of my interpretation. And I think that, that the Jedi that we saw of the Jedi Council were very political. They were sent, they went where they were sent. And so the Senate wouldn't send them to the outer rim. You know, they wouldn't care about that stuff necessarily. They would kind of let those planets deal on their own. And so those people may never have seen a Jedi. They weren't on, they weren't on Tatooine a lot. So that's why Watto, you know, he'd heard of them, but he didn't really know them. And he even said Republic money's no good out here. So, you know, I think that has something to do with it. And maybe that's
0: helpful. Maybe it's not, but that's my interpretation. So you're saying it's kind of like Buddhism, (laughs) like which was originally not meant to be a religion, more of a way of life, a philosophical. Well, I would say the four. And then there are people out there that made it into a religion. Well, the Jedi. Um. Well, the Church of
3: the Force is a religion,
0: right? Because of the people who, but. What I'm saying is it wasn't originally intended to be a religion. I don't know that
3: the force in and of itself is intended to be the force in and of itself. I think is supposed to be, um, well, one of my professors compared it to Chi, this concept of all living things have a Chi, have a life force Mm -hmm. and, and it's everywhere and it's everything and it's connected to everyone. And so that has nothing to do with, that has nothing to do with necessarily religion
2: just so so the um the jedi were like the templar knights and
3: maybe similar i'm okay. not saying i'm i mean maybe i'm wrong but yeah i, I kind of think you could make a loose connection although it is heavily steeped in buddhism by the way the eastern religions play a huge role in in, in star wars
2: yeah um now i agree with you i agree with you. that's one of the points i brought up a long time ago about the whole fact like You know, a whole religion, because you're right, it's not a generation. It's not a generation. It's it's not 20 years.
3: I think it's deliberate suppression, too. Like on the Empire, I think it was in their interest to deliberately suppress any good memories of the Jedi. Don't you think?
2: Yeah, but it just seems like because the galaxy is so big, right? It's not like you could just, like, you know, monitor CNN, You can't be, there's too many, there's too many like little pockets of worlds. There's too many hundreds of trillions of gazillions of people.
3: True. And the Jedi might animate it there.
2: But like the force would be in everybody.
3: Right. But that doesn't mean that people worshipped it or the beings. Well,
0: the force is in everybody. everybody,
2: right? Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like the force wouldn't, the force, the force wouldn't need.
3: To it be doesn't need a religion, yeah. right? It, it doesn't need do a religion to
2: manifest itself,
3: right? But what I'm saying is that the Je- because the because the universe, because the galaxy is so big, the Jedi didn't necessarily make it that far out. They would have stayed, and and by the time we meet them in the prequels, they are going where they're sent by the Senate. They are very much a political body, are they not?
2: Yes, they're they're a political body, and and like I agree. so. Like, I- um they, han calls it a hokey religion so han has heard of it because he's been to
3: right but he doesn't really believe it
2: right um so but like the histories would have included like the clones would have included like there would have been some kind of history of that you think that the jedi getting hunted and killed you and wiped can, out you
3: can su- they can suppress a lot the empire suppressed a lot
2: There was no no CNN. There's no galactic CNN.
3: Yeah, but and and all the making it, you know, if you spoke out, it's not unlike Hitler. If you spoke out, you disappeared. I I don't know, Mitchell. Are we answering your question? I don't know. Yeah, uh, kind of. I agree with you. Like, if if it were
2: this widespread religion, like, if this force is this true and, you know, just true thing that lives throughout all of us. You know, like, were the Jedi ever were they missionaries? Were they just were they solely? Was their there sole purpose?
3: By the like, time we meet them, they're 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 peacekeepers. peacekeepers. They're not. They're but not they're, going out to to spread their religion. They're just. How
2: are they, how are they recruiting all those younglings?
3: Well, they're kidnapping them.
2: <laughs> right. So there has to be people out there, you know, actively <laughs> kidnapping. Well, on a
0: related note, (laughs)
2: missionaries.
0: (laughs) On a related note, the Jedi Order was actually registered in Texas in 2015 as a recognized religion.
3: It's
4: also recognized
3: in the UK. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I know people selected it on the
3: census as a write in one year as a joke. They had to put it on the census the next year as a religion. So people now just say they're Jedi. I As their
1: awesome.
3: yeah i think it's amazing i want to live in the uk um, just to say i'm a jedi
1: I, would, I think i could switch to jedi but but yeah that was that was just one more thing that was kind of hard for me to put together and i i do have to go in about 10 minutes but yeah, um,
3: yeah, we probably need to talk we're yeah. all
0: we're pushing two hours we're getting close yeah
1: <laughs> but this is this is the last thing this is just a really fun thing and so it could be the thing that we end on after watching the prequels and going into the original trilogy every time i saw Boba fett is all that i could imagine is the trauma he goes through every time he sees a dead clone and sees his dad's face i was like i was just like Ooh. what type of horror does he live every single day where every dead wow. on the ground is your dad and you and you and you? And so um, i never thought of that that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> because um you don't Frankie's know that they're clones. yeah you don't know that they're clones in the original trilogy do we do we know that there's or at least i don't a know has a clone
3: the stormtroopers are not clones in the original yeah. trilogy. Okay. They're just stormtroopers.
1: Okay. Um
3: But,
1: but yeah. yeah, so but just carrying that perspective in, um, Daniel was just like, what type of nightmare do you think is happening in these movies? That's but true. that was that was just a fun little thing um that I carried over. Yeah. But anyways wow. so- I never thought about that.
3: <laughs> I didn't. I didn't wow this has been fun yeah
1: okay yeah, i don't know awesome.
4: have,
3: have, have we helped you unpack anything mitchell or no you've
1: helped you us had, you've, <laughs> had, <laughs> you've helped me put into context why people on the internet talk a lot about this <laughs> <laughs> because it's very there's there's a lot to kind of sort through and it has such a strong history that i wasn't aware of um in the sense that like you see it but you don't necessarily get to take part in the discourse and so entering the discourse that revolves around star wars I know that sounds super academic but that's my writing studies coming out like it it's super evolving we're like You know, y'all are very acquainted with particular names, mythologies, ideas, context, things that I'm not. And so, me just thinking that I just saw eight, nine movies in quick succession that um, were purely entertainment in some portions and not. and then getting kind of invested. It was really helpful coming into that discourse getting that context and kind of seeing how complex these things are and also how controversial my opinions are. Um, getting
0: to see yeah. that passion firsthand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs>
0: I'm loving his opinions. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I don't, I, think it's awesome. I don't mind your opinions. I think I, your opinions thanks. are very interesting and we are excited to have you on the show. Yeah. Right,
1: I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, I'm excited, and I'll I'll talk to you tomorrow at work because I can't wait to to talk more about some of this other stuff.
1: Absolutely.
3: Maybe, cool. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, if she um, has a voice, yeah, <laughs> and I just may have to show <laughs> a video tomorrow to my students. Say sorry, y'all, I can't talk. Um, but uh, thank you, everyone for tuning
0: in. Melissa, can you do the outro because I can't do the outro. I can try. I am spoiled by Sally because she does this all the time. But um, we are say when. A Geeky Punk podcast. And you can find me at paxibabe Babe on all the social medias, pretty much for the most part. Um, Sally at Palmetto Blue. And Frankie, where can we find you?
2: I'm at GoonieFet
1: on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Mitchell, would you like for people to be able to find you or do you want to remain anonymous? You
1: can do. Well, by chance, I'm just completely off the radar doing a social media cleanse except for Facebook. So... I'm
0: no I hear that. That's probably not a bad idea. Okay. I always end by saying may the force be with you. And I always end by saying truth and justice.
2: And I say
1: always carry a towel. And I say I'm going to go get a meal.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good idea. Enjoy. Bon appetit. All
3: right.
4: Bye. Good night. Good night.